This week on the Iowa Watch Connection. Foreign investment in U.S. agriculture land, cropland, timberland, has increased tremendously over the past 10 years. And that has some concern about food production. Everything we need to feed our people can be grown and raised in the U.S. Now that's not true in a lot of countries. The old stereotype no longer fits. You know, oftentimes when you think of non-resident aliens, you think about, okay, well, there's, you know, Uncle Gustav, right? I mean, you think of a, a living, breathing person. But you also have the issue of foreign businesses. Foreign ownership of farmland and farm security, our topic this week. The Iowa Watch Connection is presented by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, online at iowawatch.org. Here is Jeff Stein. Iowa feeds the world, literally. We are blessed with one of the most fertile land masses on the planet and generations of farmers who know how to maximize production while conserving that precious natural resource. That makes Iowa farmland a valuable commodity and means, frankly, we would make a good target for those who want to diminish the U.S. food supply. One important way to ensure food security in the United States is to keep farmland ownership from passing into foreign hands. But that doesn't always happen. Why that is and how Iowa law does prohibit foreign farmland ownership is our focus today. The executive director and editor of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, Lyle Muller, has our story. Some time ago, reporters at the Midwest Center for Investigative Reporting got to wondering how much foreign investment was going into U.S. farmland. Based in Urbana-Champaign, Illinois, the nonprofit news organization's curiosity was driven by deals like one in 2013, in which a Chinese firm bought 146,000 acres of farmland across the United States in a $4.7 billion purchase of pork producer Smithfield Foods. Here's Jonathan Henniger, a Midwest Center reporter who co-wrote the eventual story. We found that foreign investment in U.S. agriculture land, uh, cropland, timberland, um, has increased tremendously over the past 10 years. So from 2004 to 2014, uh, the total amount of land owned by foreign companies or foreign people doubled uh, in the United States. And that's, it makes up only 2% of all farmland, but that totals um, about $42 billion worth of farmland. The Midwest Center for Investigative Reporting compiled and analyzed data from 1900 to 2014. It obtained the information under the Agricultural Foreign Investment Disclosure Act. Henninger and other reporters at the center found strong indicators of growing interest in farmland by foreign interest. The appeal? Investment opportunity. A lot of uh, institutional investors have started to invest, especially in timberland, um, basically finding that they can, they can grow the trees, they can sell the timber, and then the whole time the land value is increasing. So a lot of pension funds, a lot of universities are investing in um, farmland and timberland. But what about Iowa? Its main crop is not timberland. Yet some property from the state shows up in the USDA database. A lot of acquisitions happened before Iowa law was changed a few decades back to strengthen the ban on farmland ownership by non-resident aliens. That change in Iowa law, since amended, 
makes Iowa one of a handful of states that prohibit foreign ownership of farmland. Exceptions exist, a foreign bank obtaining land to settle a debt, the chance to conduct crop research, or an inheritance, for example, at least for a while before the land has to be sold. And farmland held by foreign interests before July 1, 1979, is allowed to remain in foreign hands. Neil Hamilton, a professor of law at Drake University and an expert on Iowa's ag land laws, once wrote an opinion when working with the Iowa Attorney General's office that said Iowa's foreign ownership ban is constitutional. That opinion, he noted as he flipped through the Iowa Code and State Constitution in a conference room at Drake's Law School, has not been challenged in court. The Iowa Constitution, when it was passed back in the 1850s, as you can imagine, most Iowans, in fact, were native-born because they were recent immigrants, right? They're people coming from Scandinavia, and the Iowa Constitution protects the rights of anyone who's a resident in Iowa to buy land. And so there's a difference between being a resident in Iowa, right, and being a non-resident alien for immigration purposes. I mean, you could be a resident in Iowa on a student visa, right, that you got from the federal government. So you're, quote, here physically. But for Iowa constitutional purposes, you're not a residence that gives you the right to buy land while you're here, right? Your status in the country is a function of your foreign, of your federal immigration status. The bottom line, Hamilton said, is that a rational basis exists for Iowa's ban in terms of national security, preventing exploitation of the land, concerns about absentee owners, and other reasons. And Iowa, not the federal government, controls who can own land within its borders. Even so, former U.S. Secretary of Agriculture and former Iowa Governor Tom Vilsack made that food security argument when the Iowa Watch Connection Chef Stein caught up with him recently. Well, you know, obviously uh, there are some restrictions in individual states in terms of who can own farmland and what kind of entities can own farmland. So oftentimes it's more of a state issue than it is a federal issue. Uh, I think all things being equal, we'd prefer to have ownership of land in the hands of of people from this country. Um, And the reason for it is simple. I have always talked about the fact that America is a food secure nation, that we have the capacity and capability with our farmland and our great farmers to be able to produce all the farm products that we need to survive, Uh, that we can actually produce everything we need to feed our people can be grown and raised in the U.S. Now, that's not true in a lot of countries. Uh, China, for example, is unable to meet its food needs. It has to import food. And so it's less secure because of that. Well, the Chinese recognize that, and so what they're trying to do now is they're trying to buy up farmland so that they have access and control to enough land to be able to feed their people. Um, and I think we need to be you know, keep keeping a wary eye on that because we want to maintain our capacity uh, to feed ourselves. We want to maintain that security that we have, our food security and national security that we have, that advantage that we have. Again, Drake University's Neil Hamilton. You know, oftentimes when you think of non-resident aliens, you think about, okay, well, there's, you know... Uncle Gustav, right? I mean, you think of a, a living, breathing person. But you also have the issue of foreign businesses, right? Because the statute just doesn't talk about acquisition by individuals. You know, it talks about acquisitions by business entities. So, in fact, you know, 
it describes a foreign business as meaning a corporation incorporated under the laws of a foreign country or a business entity, whether or not incorporated, let's say a partnership, in which a majority interest is owned directly or indirectly by non-resident aliens. Okay, well, we have a limited liability company and we're all non-resident aliens, right? We aren't buying it in our own name. Instead, we're buying it in the name of Jimmy Jones Farms, right, LLC. It's still treated as a foreign business and it's subject to these restrictions. One thing worth noting as it pertains to Iowa, the state has attracted a lot of attention for its wind energy opportunities. American companies have entered into partnerships with foreign companies to gain easements on farmland for windmills. Iowa Watch Research, aided by the USDA database the Midwest Center for Investigative Reporting provided, shows involvement in Iowa's wind energy efforts by NL Green Power, a subsidiary of NL North America, which is part of the larger NL Green Power SPA of Rome, Italy. The partnerships have existed in Audubon, Powashik, and Washington counties, for example. Although the proposed billion-dollar wind farm idea for Washington County, proposed back in 2009 through the Kansas-based firm Trade Wind Energy, did not materialize. Hamilton notes that foreign interest in those deals are part of easement agreements instead of farmland ownership or leases, and that you could argue that capturing wind energy is not an agricultural product. In other words, the arrangements fit Iowa law. The Midwest Center for Investigative Reporting's Jonathan Hedinger says wind farms turn up in a lot of states. A lot of the big wind farm, wind turbine companies are foreign-owned. So there's um, ones from Iberdola, which is in Spain. There's Enel, which is in Italy. There's one in Portugal, one in France. And they've really invested heavily in the United States in wind energy. A topic for another report at a different time. I'm Lyle Muller for the Iowa Watch Connection. Coming up, I'll talk with U.S. Senator Charles Grassley about protecting food security. And we'll talk more with the journalists who have been reporting on this issue. That's next as the Iowa Watch Connection continues. This month, Iowa Watch is supporting the value Iowa high school journalism classes provide students, their schools, their communities, and the state. Journalism classes help students understand society, find facts, think critically, and inform others with high-quality writing, photos, video, and broadcast skills. Learn more from the Iowa High School Press Association at its website, ihspa.org. The Iowa Watch Connection radio program is part of a statewide audience engagement project organized by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, an independent, nonprofit, nonpartisan news organization. The center is dedicated to producing high quality investigative and community affairs journalism in Iowa, while also training journalism students to do this work at a high ethical level. The center is found online at iowawatch.org.
Welcome back to the Iowa Watch Connection. I'm Jeff Stein. More about foreign ownership of farmland and U.S. food security now. Lyle Muller, executive director and editor of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, learns more about the reporting done to date on this story from Jonathan Hettinger, reporter for the Midwest Center for Investigative Reporting, and the editor for his story, Brant Houston, who is also the night chair in investigative reporting at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. How long have you been working on this report? Um, I think we've been working on it uh, since last fall. I mean, we've got the data a while ago, but we uh, kind of uh, been looking at it for maybe the past six or seven months or so. Well, part of the question is I want to give credit to, to uh, Robert Holly, who started this, has left Midwest, is now working in Chicago. Um, but one of the things was go through the data and really look at it closely because it does have omissions, it does have errors, and to really determine whether it was useful. And then after determining that, then start to look for the trends and patterns in it and, and then start to get some interviews that helped us, helped illuminate what we were actually looking at. And the wind farms and the energy company uh, purchases were, were very interesting. I think anyone that we show the data to is very surprised at how many different countries are, are involved in, in purchasing this land. And then the one thing we haven't mentioned is that Congress is very concerned and has passed legislation uh, because they're concerned about food companies being purchased, but they're also very concerned about the farmland. So this, you know, this comes at a time, too, when there's more of a nationalistic mood in the nation. And so we think this will be a continuing issue, and at least we'll be able to quantify to some degree how much land is really being purchased and what's being done with it. Why were there errors in the data? Can you explain a little bit about what's going on there? Well, um, what Jonathan um, and, and Robert Holly found was that the USDA collects this information, but there's no real verification of it. It's self-reported. And so they apparently don't have the staff or time to go back to someone who's filed a report and every foreigner that buys, uh, or foreign company that buys land is supposed to report this. They don't have time to go back and say, hey, you left your owner's name out, or you left this particular one out, or you typed three extra zeros. So you have to be very careful when you look at the amounts. And anything that we cited in the story itself, we double-checked the numbers and, and verified them. But there's a lot of work, a lot of cleanup work to be done in the state by anyone who uses it. Jonathan, when you were going through this data, how difficult was it? Explain for us a little bit about just having such a large dump of data that you were going through to try to draw some conclusions. So uh, basically the first thing I did was just kind of look and see how good it was. So I went to see what anyone would, like what are the top, who are the top owners. So then I... Uh, got who I totaled who owns the most land, who what it's worth, and I found pretty quickly that it wasn't uh, that a lot of the data had issues because one of the top owners was a 199-acre dairy farm in uh, Ohio, and they said that it was bought for 594 million, but it was actually bought for 594,000. So that was something that just kind of stuck out, and then. Um, it was able to just kind of, the acreage would seem to be pretty good, but it was a lot of times the purchase price was um, messed up. But it was pretty easy to find 
which states have the most. You can kind of tell that Maine has a lot because they have a lot of timberland. Alabama has a lot of timberland. So those are owned. And then you just kind of see that it was growing a lot. And one of the biggest trends was international paper. Um, the paper company based in Tennessee decided to uh, divest out of its land holdings in 2006. So they sold about $5 billion, almost $5 billion worth of timberland, and almost all of that was bought by foreign investors. Did you folks find anything that jumped out as a surprise in this? I, I think the first thing I heard as being an editor on this story was the wind farms. It's like we know people are buying land for wind farms and they need to do that, but um, it was remarkable to me. Uh, another thing was just the variety of countries and the kinds of interests. That kind of surprised how many countries. Uh, I think that was really interesting. Yeah. What are questions that you think need to be answered in future stories? Is I think one of the biggest questions is that um, is are is Congress happy with the data because they passed this law in 1978 and it doesn't seem like they it doesn't seem like it's very good it doesn't seem like it's very clear and it doesn't and you're able to see strong trends but if you wanted to see actually who owns the land it's going to take a lot of work where because the data just uh, needs to be verified so i think that that's one of the biggest questions is are people happy with the quality of the data yeah i mean one question is you if you have bad data you make bad policy if you have good data you make better policy so i think It'll be interesting to see if they want to clean it up a bit or not. But it's still useful enough. It's a great starting point. I want to stress that. I think a big issue we'll have to do with uh, following up is how much did our tax system play in encouraging this kind of investment? Because we have tax credits and all sorts of energy-related benefits, and I think it would be good to know the impact of that and was that the in intended impact. And I'm sure in this particular political environment, people will say, how much did it benefit the U.S. as opposed to someone else? I think that'll enter into the debate. Jonathan Hettinger, reporter for the Midwest Center for Investigative Reporting, and the editor for his story, Brant Houston, the night chair in investigative reporting at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. They spoke with Iowa Watch executive director and editor, Lyle Muller. U.S. Senator Charles Grassley is a New Hartford area farmer who has served in Congress since 1975. His experiences have led him to introduce legislation on this topic. I learned more when I spoke to him last summer. U.N. Senator Stabenow introduced a bill on the topic called the Food Security is National Security Act. Tell me why you thought that was important and what you hope to accomplish yeah. if that is passed. Yeah. And let, let me start out by saying it doesn't relate to uh, foreign ownership of farmland. It deals with uh, whether or not a foreign company is buying a United States company and the extent to which that legislation would be reviewed by a committee of various bureaucracies that we want the U.S. Department of Agriculture to be one of those uh, agencies that reviews for national security standpoint the merger of a foreign company with a US company and particularly we're concerned about China because China is buying a lot of uh, companies in, in America 
to get the intellectual property and the research rights uh, that, uh, that we are way ahead of China on, and they can uh, more or less uh, get our uh, secrets by buying a company. And so if it would affect the national security of the United States, we would want that to be reviewed from the standpoint of food uh, production being very important to the national security of the United States. In addition to that, uh, I have legislation that would uh, make sure that a company that is subsidized by a government and let's take China as an example because a lot of their big companies are subsidized, then uh, they're sued in U.S. courts, that foreign company is, they declare that they're connected to the government, so they're immune from our, our, our laws that would apply to them. And in other words, if a foreign company, subsidized or not, acts like a commercial company, they ought to be treated the same way under our laws to protect consumers and under our laws for antitrust. You've lived on the land your entire life. You're engaged in farming with your family today. Do we take for granted our food supply as Americans and the ability to literally feed the world? Without a doubt. And uh, we do that because anybody that goes to the supermarket finds the shelves full. And uh, it's relatively cheap. I think less, right around 10 or 11% of the disposable income of American consumers spent on food. Cheaper than any consumer anywhere else in the world. So I think it's easy when you can, uh, you never see a short supply of food and it's a responsible price that it's easy to take for granted. Then when you... Uh, when you only have 2% of the people in the United States producing the food and the other 98% don't know a lot about farming, it's kind of scary uh, that people don't understand the importance of food production because they take it so much for granted. U.S. Senator Charles Grassley, a Republican from New Hartford. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can connect with us online, iowawatch.org. I'm Jeff Stein. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you'll make the Iowa Watch Connection again next week. The Iowa Watch Connection is a copyrighted presentation of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, which is solely responsible for its content. For more information about the center, including how you can contribute so high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism and student training can continue, go online, iowawatch.org.